is up, internet. Call me by your name and I'll call you by mine. My name is Shahir Dowd. And Shahir, is there anything you don't know? My name is Matthew Kroll. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the opposite day film, Call Me By Your Name. Name, 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 name. Shahir, (laughs) how are you? I'm good, Matt. How are you? I'm great. I'm loving... MCU movies right now. What are you loving? I would like to. Yes, I did just fart, and it smells like roses. Uh, let's see that. Your yours was mean. It was not. Yours was mean. It was not. It was. It what, was. What see, that's it? that's the difference between Shahir and Matt. Shahir is a nice guy. Oh, uh, well, uh, is it still opposite day? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, welcome everybody. I don't know how long we'll be able to keep up the. I'm just gonna call it. Let's go back to ourselves for now. Okay. <laughs> Because I know we'll fuck it up. <laughs> um, welcome uh, to to our humble little program. Uh, we are now going to be reviewing. Call me by your name. It feels like you're doing like an NPR radio voice, which might be apropos to this film. But you're like, you're like, welcome to NPR is the only podcast about movies. Yeah, Today I, we will be reviewing. I don't know if I can do an Ira Glass <laughs> or like or so. I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a quiet uh, podcast no, personality. No, no, you are anything but. No, and I apologize. Some people, um, uh, in fact, the one negative review I think we've gotten <laughs> also amongst some other things uh, was about my yelling in the beginning, and you know. I, I'm just that's a what, passionate human being. That you know what? If I was more method about this this whole name switchy thing, I should have been yelling. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, that is true, and I should have been quiet <laughs> and more methodical. Uh, welcome back, welcome back, and uh, I'm excited to do this film because I, you know, you know, the trope is the only podcast about movies. Sure, occasionally. We are the only podcast about movies. And, and I have to say, I, I went to my regular feed of, of other movie-related podcasts. I'm not From saying, alternate dimensions. I'm not saying that they're out there, but they might be. But they are. And I couldn't find a review of this movie. And this is one of the most well-reviewed movies of the year. It is hotly uh, on the Oscar trail this year. And, and, and I'm struggling to find reviews of this movie. So we are going to make a pledge to you right now. Please listen in for as long as possible. We will go for as long as possible without spoilers. There aren't too many spoilers to be had in this movie. But uh, please... Please watch this movie and listen to even even listen to this review even if you haven't watched this movie because I think we're one of the few people that are talking about this movie hopefully in some detail. Um, in fact, to that point of detail, people have been writing us in as they do and as we are very appreciative of at onlymoviepodcast at gmail dot com or on our Twitter handle as listener Mesa did only movie pod uh, at only movie pod. Uh, Mesa is a, a recent listener who's written us in a couple of times now. Uh, we appreciate you uh, uh, finding the podcast and and we love that you're part of the of the only podcast community now. The Topam family. The Topam. I, I just it, that that fra- Topam just sounds so close to Toe Jam. And I'm like, hey, I'll take it. Every time you say Topam, I'm like, oh, the Toe Jam family. Nope. Maybe that's our thing. Maybe, maybe we're the Toe Jam family. We're the Toe Pam family. Remember that video game, Toe Jam and Earl? Yeah, it was that's a great our, video game. Yeah, that's, uh, that's us. Dibs on Earl. I'm um, Toe Jam. Yep. And uh, Mesa basically pointed me to a thread that she wrote when she, uh, after she saw Call Me By Your Name. Uh, and, 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 you know, like, uh, I may be mischaracterizing the way she described this to me, but she was like, oh, I'm not a film reviewer in any way, but I just had to write about this movie once I saw it. And I, I just wanted to say to her, and I think I said this to, you know, I, I messaged her directly as well, is that the, 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 the process of, there is no, there is no becoming a film reviewer other than no. writing about movies. No, or uh, talking about them to great length, perhaps and, and, over the course of upwards of a hundred episodes. <laughs> exactly. So, so the fact that you've gone out and written this thing kind of makes you a film reviewer in this case. Not and even I, kind of, like and, for and real. I, I, I loved what she wrote here. So, uh, Mesa, I'm going to, I'm going to read this out, uh, if you don't mind. Um, and this is what she wrote about this film. Call Me By Your Name was as perfect as cinema gets. Real Chalamet and Army Hammer were incredible. In Elio's growing affection, there was so much admiration towards Oliver. These are the two main characters in the film, played by Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer. The nuance between the characters, the buildup of the romance, the exploration, the confusion was powerful. There were even hints of humor. I also appreciated Oliver's hesitancy because it incorporated the difference between American and European views of being true to oneself, especially his decision to hide himself due to his familial and religious ridicule. 
The last act of the film was was the most powerful, with a lingering but chaste embrace between the characters. It was hard for me, even as an audience member enthralled in this romance, to say goodbye. Then the scenes between Elio's mother, Marzia, and ultimately his father, and the understanding of what happened, I just can't. Um, and I think, I think you know, like to me again, Maze, the 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 thing here is that your passion for the movie comes out, and and it's important to remember that. I think one of the, the, the things that we're most interested in uh, when we started this podcast, obviously we like not to believe it, but there are other movie podcasts out there, but our job, show is, me one. <laughs> our job is not to review the film. I, I, I always think that is a mischaracterization of what we do. Our job is to engage with the conversation that the film provokes. Yes. And what you did with this, with this series of tweets is engage with the film and think about what the film is offering us. Cause you know, to me, film is life, uh, cinema is life and, and, and responding to it in, in a way that reflects how the film affects your view on life is important. So, uh, Mesa, thank you for pointing me towards your Twitter thread on this. Uh, we had a lovely back and forth conversation. I recommended some films to her, um, that I thought she might enjoy having seen this movie. Look at uh, you DMing people. Yeah. I'm just, I'm straight up in your, I'm getting, I'm sliding right on in your DMs. Ugh. That's, That's an a, awful phrase. Yeah, it's, I hate that phrase. It's so creepy. That's Cal- why I didn't use it. There you go. Uh, a couple of other tweets this week uh, from D Block, who I believe is uh, Darren Byrne, who Bar- uh, Darren Byrne, Darren Byrne of the MTV family. What up, Darren? Byrne? Uh, it was just me replying to his tweet that Royal Tannenbaum's is his Wes Anderson's best film, whereas I asked, "Is Rushmore's best film?" Uh, he responded with, "I like the world in the Tannenbaum's so much more than Rushmore." I also responded with that I discovered a lot of mu- music from that film, including Nico's album uh, "Chelsea Girls," which is an album I absolutely love. Um, Darren responded with that is a great soundtrack he can't listen to that Elliot Smith song and I think the Elliot Smith song is Needle in the Hay uh, without thinking of that scene of course as we know Elliot Smith uh, tragically took his life yes. many years later in, and that scene was a scene about committing suicide so that's uh, to, to me that film was entirely prison the only reason I wanted to bring that up is that over the break I showed my son his first movie like full movie he didn't watch the whole thing but here's the, th- <laughs> here's the thing Here's the thing. He wants to keep every time we 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 have TV time, he wants to continue watching this what is movie. It? It's Wes Anderson's film, The Fantastic Mr. Fox. And and it's weird because that film is entirely inappropriate for a two-year-old, but he loves it and he wants to keep watching it. And like he goes, Can I I want to watch the Fox movie? Um and I, I I like since then basically I've watched that movie three times now. Uh because I'll show him 20 minutes of it, which is about his limit. Um, and then I and then he'll go to sleep and I'll just watch the rest of it. Right. Um and and it's slowly becoming my favorite one of my favorite Wes Anderson movies of all time. At this point, I've watched half of it. Really? Yeah, uh, I was over Jamie's. We watched some of it before, yeah. but I, did, I wanted to actually, it was, I was enjoying it, but yeah. I wanted to stop it because it was like one in the morning and I was like, I'd like to be fully cognizant to actually watch this movie. I absolutely adore that film. I think it's so well cast and it's so beautifully made. It's so unexpectedly made. So I'm really looking forward to his new film, Isle of Dogs. Uh, me too. Coming out shortly. Uh, I'm going to one day slip over and uh, just rather than that movie, put on What Does the Fox Say oh, for yeah, him yeah. and see what he thinks see of that. See if he dances. Yeah. He, he, he has got a weird dance going on now. It's, it's mainly bouncing. I've tried. I'm trying to show him how to use his hips. Okay. Dance. Well, did you tell him that they don't lie? They don't lie. Yeah. No. Well, that's Shakira. That's me. Um, but, <laughs> but his hips. Shahira, Shahira. There you go. Um, <laughs> his, his hips do lie because he he just can't, he can't quite isolate the movement of I his hips you. to well, his body. Well, he's a child. He just he basically he just jumps around. But it is it is adorable, and uh, and we are discover it's we're discovering Wes Anderson. That's good. Um, that's nice. Uh, I also want to shout out, there's a short film on Vimeo called Mobile, uh, which was made by... Oh, I can't actually. Oh, Verena Fells. Uh, it is the first film my son saw. It is six minutes long. He watches it every time he watches movies. Uh, look it up on Vimeo if you can. Uh, it's wonderful. It's about a little cow on a on a mobile station that hangs above a baby's crib. Do you think he only thinks there's two movies at this point? He really, uh, he knows that there are three movies in existence. That's <laughs> great. It's funny is because there's a whole DVD collection that he has that he like that he like grabs and throws against the wall occasionally. Um, he doesn't and that realize. doesn't put it up on the screen. That's 
That's so no, odd. It's uh, what I love as well, by the way, he, he actually lost a movie that I just bought on the Criterion Collection, uh, a movie Pata Pachali by Satyajit Ray. I bought the trilogy. Well, you can't leave such an interesting thing for a child around <laughs> and expect him not to touch it. I emailed, I emailed the Criterion Collection and said, hey, my kid threw this film away. Would you mind sending me a replacement disc? I wrote this whole story about how he like lost it into the netherworld. Uh, they were very nice and they sent me a replacement That's disc. lovely. So shout out to the Criterion Collection. Shout out to Wes Anderson. Shout out to Your son. Satyajit Ray. Shout out to <laughs> my son. And welcome to the only podcast about movies. Call me by your name. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you just sort of. We did I just, I'm just trying to bring it back because I know I took a long diversion there. Well, if you want to, you know, write us in again, only movie podcast at gmail.com and you can do that too. And you can hear then maybe Shahir will ask you for free things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I Great will still email. Do my, my do my Criterion Corner. By How the way, the Fantastic Mr. Fox is available on the Criterion Collection. Well, there you go. Looks like it's time to upgrade. <laughs> yeah, I know I do own it. Um, uh, yeah, call me by your name. I, you want me to read the description? Sure. Okay. In northern Italy in 1983, 17-year-old Elio begins a relationship with visiting Oliver, his father's research assistant, uh, with whom he bonds over his emerging sexuality, their Jewish heritage, and the beguiling Italian landscape. Is it beguiling? Well, let me say, okay, hold okay. on. Before we even get into this movie, let's talk a little bit about this beguiling Italian landscape. Okay. <laughs> I want to live in Northern Italy in 1983 because apparently no one worries about anything. It's that anything it's logistical. They're in a mansion. They're having meals prepped for them. They get to wear short shorts and open shirts that are too big for them. And they just get to short shorts that are too short as well. Yeah. And they get to just wander around with their, with their hot young bodies <laughs> and hang out all over the damn place and like play volleyball and then oh it's lunchtime and then like just friends are coming over it's the it's 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 like sexy it's like stepping into an Armani commercial it's right? like stepping into a sexy Armani commercial uh the way of um what's that what's that show that takes place in uh in uh British thing that nothing happens but everyone loves and it's all the office no um fuck oh god I can't believe I can't do this it's like it's like not medieval but it's like black old, old and English no it's very serious but it's only like so Someone to crown the right China. No, no, it's less having to go on with it. Uh, Downton Abbey. Oh, Bam. Uh, this is not Downton Abbey. No, no, this no. Is... I'm saying it's Downton Abbey, the way of a sexy Armani commercial, because it's like I don't know if Armani is the right brand. Well. Or what's I don't know. Like, like what's what's more casual? Wear? Like I'll jo ask what's... Jamie at some point what what's brand this movie should be. <laughs> Banana Republic. No, no, no. The... B rep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but I'm just saying, holy shit, what a lifestyle. So this is the third film by Luca Guadagnino, which he calls his Italian vacation trilogy or his Italian, <laughs> his Italian summer trilogy. And that is, um, I oh, am it's love. So perfect. I am love a bigger splash and now call me by your name. Uh, I have seen all three and I will say this. <laughs> um, I think I tweeted this as well when, when after I saw the film, I think he has done more for Italian vacations than Expedia has in their lifetime. Yeah. Um, I, I, I had a film of mine play at an Italian film festival called the uh, Giffoni Film Festival, which is in this small town uh, close to the Amalfi Coast. And I went, I love the Amalfi Coast. I, and I went there. Positano is my favorite. Oh, it's the most, it's, I'm from New Zealand. I would say Positano and, and the Amalfi Coast are probably it's the most so beautiful good. places on earth. Oh my, f I have stories. <laughs> and um, uh, I went to Giffoni and it was, and it was basically this, we, 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 la you know, uh, languished in the sun. We, we ate um, fine cheese and salami. Sounds, on, sounds gross when uh, you say it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and grapes uh, on the grass. And we had dinner served to us in a cathedral by, uh, by the town, uh, by the, all the mother, all the Italian mothers prepared this meal. God. And it was just the most wonderful experience. I, I hope to go back to that film festival. And this, his trilogy <laughs> rem, reminds me so much of that time in Italy. But more than that, I Am Love, um, uh, the 2008 film or 2009 uh, starring Tilda Swinton is not just... Um, uh, it's not just my one of my favorite films that I saw in the last decade. It is quite possibly one of my favorite films of all time. It would it would definitely be within the top ten, if not the top five, uh, films of 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 my life that I've ever seen. It is an extraordinary film. It is a film that that kind of brings me to tears just thinking about it. Um, and and it's available on Netflix right now. Uh, you should please watch it. It is much more. 
Um, it is, it, it's much more structured than call me by your name. It's much more formal than call me by your name. It has a kind of, uh, visual flourish and sensibility that call me by your name doesn't, um, doesn't have. So it's, it, 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 you might be shocked to thinking it's made by the same filmmaker, but it huh. is, um, it is just, uh, sublime and gorgeous and, and everything that I love in cinema is in this movie. I am love. And I, I was absolutely devastated by it. And, and I still, I, I rewatched it recently and it is a, it is just one of the most astounding pieces of filmmaking I've ever seen. And, and, and Luca Guadagnino is part of this sort of new wave of Italian filmmakers, um, including, um, a filmmaker who I believe you love, uh, Paolo Sarantino, who mm-hmm. made youth, mm-hmm. um, the great beauty and il divo, uh, Matteo Garon, who made, uh, Gamora. I, I gotta watch youth again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's part of this, this brand, I, I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to characterize an entire group of filmmakers because I, I haven't done enough research on it. And obviously Italy has a fine, rich tradition of filmmaking, but it seems to me that there is this sort of wave of modernist Italian filmmakers that are coming now that have both a handle on the formal technique of cinema um, and, and a commanding grasp on storytelling that is somehow languid and fluid and you could even describe as lazy in the way that 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 a warm summer's day is lazy which sure. is that things happen in a way that is beautiful and 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 everlasting but without feeling like it's imposing yes um you know so, which i think is true of youth as well yeah yeah um, uh though this film in particular call me by your name uh it, it, it that's the setting mm. I feel like, and much to the mm-hmm. film's uh, usefulness, I will say, mm-hmm. uh, the way, especially the first two thirds and maybe the first two acts, I guess, are sort of shot of this movie are a little off-putting for the um, for the setting. Yeah. Uh, and that being that no one's really in like, not I want to say f- f- not focus as in like focal length and mm-hmm. being a blurry image, mm-hmm. but the focal points of the frames that they use are never really... Uh, standardized and the only time you ever have a full character like where that you're used to sort of them being is when Elio is on the screen because mm-hmm. you're supposed to be experiencing it I think more through his eyes and like so when you first meet Oliver and when he's going through the house and like all this stuff like it's like these weird like haphazard glimpses and whenever it is a full shot of Oliver like it's always a powerful low angle right uh, and like it's <sighs> I, I got it mm-hmm um, and I liked it to a point, mm-hmm. but it was very overt. Okay. Um, and uh, it was, I don't know. It just, it was an interesting juxtaposition. Like I understand what it's going through. And, and obviously there's a, there's um, you know, your first sort of real love uh, in this thing. And that's a powerful thing that can throw you off anywhere. So I think narratively uh, and meta narratively, it, it works for the film. It was just something that like, while I thought it worked well for what the film wanted to do, I was always taken back by it a little bit until I was lulled maybe around the the middle of the second act being like, okay, this is, yeah. Again, um, uh, I would describe, th- there's an interesting thing between, uh, uh, I am love a biggest splash in this film, which is that I-, I am love is so tightly constructed. It is such a formal exercise. It is, it is almost Scorsese in, in its formality. Sure. Uh, I think it's also, I am love is, is almost a love letter to Jonathan Demi. Um, it uses references to Philadelphia in that film. Um, and and then in a bigger splash, he basically he still has some of those formal elements, but he kind of loosens them up to the point where they become erratic. They become they they don't happen in a way they happen in a way that is surprising. You know, like mu- like a musical number will start yep. and then kind of like abandoned snap cut quickly uh, out of it with almost no rhyme or reason. Uh, the camera will become fluid and drift around a room and then suddenly land on a frame and stay there for like another minute. Um, it, it feels like he's kind of like, he, he has full command of the cinematic language, but he's almost playing like a jazz player now, which is mm. that he's, he's not like using, he, he doesn't have like a rigid, a rigidity to his formal structure anymore. It's kind of like, Oh, 
I'm going to do a big sweeping camera move here. And then I'm going to land here and just do like a, a shot, two shot, two shot reverse. And then mm -hmm. I'm going to like have this music beats play out really, really loud and last for like the next three scenes and then just snap out of it without any, yeah. it, it doesn't, it feels, the, the thing is, is that it feels haphazard, but it's done by someone who clearly has a command of the cinematic language as demonstrated by those other films. Um, the uh, Matt, I, I kind of want to get your your in your initial overall impressions sure. of this film before we start breaking it down. Uh, yeah, performances nuts. Uh, acting across the board, even characters I didn't think I would like, I liked, mm -hmm. uh, or 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 I felt something towards, I should say, and I mm -hmm. felt that what the film was trying to get me to feel. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the cinematography. I think you sort of uh, just the way it sort of worked uh, from what I said and what you just said. Uh, I, I think it was an interesting choice. I don't think it was uh, what would have drawn me in the fastest. But looking at it as a whole, I think it was interesting and good. Um, the editing was a little bit sort of jazzy, too. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I know it's servicing the story. That threw me off more than anything else, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, it wasn't enough to make me be like, ooh. Um, it did get a little too, and I don't know what the term it obvious art film ish from time to time. What do you mean by that? I don't know. I, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the right phrase. I'll describe what I'm describing yeah, and then describe what you think. yeah, um, like a couple sort of things like two or three times in the in the story as the story is progressing characters will read a poem or a thing or have a conversation that's exactly like what's going on in in the story or have a conversation with the character that's like whatever and like and and it's just almost like allegorically the exact same thing and you as the audience is like oh that's what's happening to you like there's a few of too many of those i feel mm -hmm. also um little touches i feel like we're always overdone like the fly did you notice the fly I noticed there were flies in the film. So the I fly think, only I, I, happened. The fly only happened when Elio or actually any character, but it only happened to Oliver once. Mm -hmm. The fly only shows up when you have that sort of itch of wanting that other person. Did you see Chris Stuckman's review about the, no. about this film? Which no. he, he goes, he has a long rant about the fly and uh, the fly metaphor and and it's it annoyed me and i, I <laughs> really? it annoyed me because it's clever but then when you over it's like doing you've actually said this in a couple things when you keep doing the same magic trick over and over and over again you're like okay uh i i'm i'm struck by this whole obsession with the fly thing because uh it's something that i didn't notice and, and it's something where i would just account it to there are flies in that neighborhood, you but, know but, I mean? but but the the I I I watched as it happened. They never happen outside of these. Like it's here, it's purposely. It, they were put there. But here here's what I would say. Do you think that's so funny? Someone I thought I was being a nitpicker, but apparently other people are too. But do you think that they purposely like? Let's think about. Let's break down the logistics here. Do you think they purposely had flies? Yes, or, standing or, or, by? That's, or that's digital. Or you think that's digital? Because it literally represented every time Elio was a, a, in a, in a moment. Where he's trying give to not think about. Give me an example. Because I'm any not of convinced. So, um, uh, so, so Oliver, the first time he starts thinking about Oliver in sort of a romantic way, uh, the fly shows up and he's brushing the fly off consistently in the beginning. Um, then as it's sort of happening and like, or as they sort of have a, I mean, are we getting into, I mean, this is not a, a fly, they fall in love. A so, fly on a scene is yeah, not but, a spoiler. But, but the way the fly interacts with Elio is a bit of a spoiler. Like there's a time of estrangement where they're not actually talking after their first sort of, uh, not even tryst, just sort of moment of acceptance a little bit of what they're both feeling. Yeah. Um, and the fly is there, but never brushed away. It's always when Elio is thinking of Oliver. There's a moment when, Elio tries to sort of turn the tables a little bit on Oliver. And then there's one moment when Oliver was like, no, where the flies there for a second and he gets up and he, he takes care of business and get, kind of reverts power back. I, and then hold on. Okay, okay. And then uh, at the end, there's um, two different flies on him when he's at the bus station. And he's and he's and he and he has a, a large emotional reaction. And at the very end, the last shot, there are flies on him. There's two or three flies. Okay. The, it, they are they are there for a purpose because nowhere else in any of the exterior scenes mm. are there flies. Now again, I don't have. I, I, I almost feel like now that there's. I didn't know this was a whole big thing from other people too. Like just one reviewer. It's just it's just a small thing where you're, you're doing a tiny little trick that's like kind of like look at this metaphor. In the same way of look at this piece of literature that ties exactly with the story I wrote around this piece of literature. Like that gets tiresome to me because I'm like, I get it. Yeah. Uh, and then sort of just the last bit of thing I'll say before we can roll on is um, uh, 
both uh, Elio and Oliver are kind of selfish people. They they hurt a couple people along the way, mm-hmm. um, and then and then. But this is what else? This is the most interesting part about the movie for me. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've been kind of shitting on it, mm-hmm. and the reason I'm kind of shitting on it is, and I'll reveal this at the end of this in about twenty minutes. But I went the entire time I'm watching this. It kept me enthralled, no question, mm-hmm. but enthralled with a oh my god, this is beautiful. Oh fuck this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, this is really great. This is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Like I was, I I haven't had a, a, a waveform of 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 love and just being like what the fuck in so long yeah and i didn't by the end of it i didn't think i would have the reaction i had at the end that i did um well that is going to be i'll give it no it's not a spoiler i mean no no but i want i'll save it for the end of the review whether or not i actually uh i i think this is a excellent film or something that's touted way too fucking much okay um, so that what, what, which which is it? Do you think? Do you think it's an excellent film or it's touted? I'm on? leaving it to the end, Shahir. I want your opinion on the movie. I'm, I, I, well, what about you? Talk to me about. Talk to me. Talk me through your experience of it. Okay, so the thing that I thought about a lot uh, as I was watching this movie is something I've been thinking about in terms of filmmaking and storytelling in general, and that is the cumulative effect of storytelling, and and. And one of the things that I was sort of struck by in this movie was the absence of narrative drive, the absence of major events happening. What, what, what this movie kind of trades in, in interesting ways is minor minute moments. It, 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 it trades in like the minutia of moments. And there are things like, for example, the way Oliver eats an egg is 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 labored over and and kind of we, we as you say we're kind of we look at it through the eyes of uh, of Elio and it's this it's sensual but it's not overtly sensual you know it's the way he plays volleyball which is is sexy but it's not like we're not like we we don't labor over it like and the only example i could think of right now is megan fox in a transformers movie it's not that kind of sexy sure. it's sexy in a way that it's like oh Hey, you, you kind of lean over and go, oh, that's pretty hot. And, and the film kind of operates on that level for 90% of it. It, it is literally a film where um, people fall in and out of relationships, where people have sex and it's inconsequential. People, um, people you know, like glance at each other and it means the, uh, it means the world. Um, and, and the thing is, is I was kind of, I felt very, I I felt like this movie was very slight until it got to the third act when I realized the cumulative effect of what I've been experiencing had just made the earth move on its axis. And, and, and this final, the final act of this movie is a sense of, oh, first love is really one of the most devastating and important things that can happen in a person's life. Sure. And that's what this film is. It feels slight, but it really is about the most important thing that can happen to you. And when I think about my life, it's all about, you know, like the triumphs and failure of love. That's, that's the, that's, those are the things that matter the most to me. Those are the things that have happened in my life that, that mean the most when I think about them in retrospect. And and that's, really? yeah, it really is. It is the triumph and failure of love. That is, that would be the summation of the things that matter the most to me. <sighs> and, and, and that's what this film does. And by the end of it, the cumulative effect of a film that feels slight is entirely devastating. And, and that, and that was my, the, and then obviously this is the entire third act is hinged upon one single monologue, which is quite possibly the most beautiful monologue I've, I've seen this year. It's so fucking good. And performed it's, by uh, uh, Jesus. If uh, I, um, I, I got Michael Schulberg. Oh my God. Well, Michael Stuhlberg, who is a terrific actor. Uh, if you can please see a serious man. He's also in another film we'll be reviewing called the shape of water. Mm-hmm. Um, he is an astonishing actor and it is an astonishing piece of writing by James Ivory, uh, one half of, uh, the Ivory Merchant, uh, filmmaking team. Now I, I, you know, the, the, the thing that I, in terms of that cumulative effect and the sense that, that, that this is a film that is steeped in minutia is I was thinking a lot about, uh, <laughs> the late 1990s and, and Quentin Tarantino, 
And Quentin Tarantino uh, obviously came out with a film called Pulp Fiction um, around the same time as James Ivory came out with a film uh, called The Remains of the Day. And and these were two divergent paths in cinema. James Ivory and the Merchant Ivory team had made kind of a classical Oscar film about the restraint of, of English society. Uh, the Remains of the Day is an absolutely wonderful film starring Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson. And it's about uh, two butlers in a, in a sort of English estate who... Who, ha- who love each other but can't express it, much like this film. And, and Tarantino came out with Pulp Fiction, which was all guns, violence, um, you know, uh, the new wave of American cinema, which was, you know, which, which influenced an entire generation of filmmakers beyond that. And, and they came out at the same time, and, and Tarantino famously was like, at le- you know, like I think Tarantino won the MTV Movie Awards, and he was like, thank fucking Christ, it's one, one time I'm not going to be beaten by either The Remains of the Day or Forrest Gump. And, and, and as time has gone on, obviously the influence of of uh, Tarantino has weighed more on American cinema than than James Ivory. Um, but this is a reminder, you know, again, I love The Remains of the Day, and I might be old-fashioned, but I think that is a, a sort of wonderful, devastating film about restraint, about the, the restraint of love. And and this film was a reminder to me of the talents of James Ivory in in writing these scenes where the minutia is the most important thing. It is the the tiniest glances. It's like it's like when when Elio watches Oliver dance, and it's like, oh God, he's a terrible dancer, but he does it with such res- with with such a um, a lack of restraint, and he dances with with his whole body. And he doesn't care that he looks bad doing it. He just dances, and it's like that is attractive. That is a that is a sensual thing. And I, you know, the what this film had me do was kind of watch things from a point of sensuality where the enormity of small moments is what is sensual. And I think it's something that like a lot of movies don't do. It's something that we in a sort of six, you know, infused, you know, quasi pornographic advertising drenched world don't think about it much anymore is the, is the sense of like sex and sexuality being a integral to, 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 to our brains and our minds, you know? And so the, the, the moments that you're describing where they're talking about like antiquities and classics. And, uh, there's a wonderful scene where Oliver is, is describing the etymology of the, I can't remember which word it is that, that they, they have like an ongoing, um, debate about the history of a particular word it kind apricot. of apricot was it apricot yep. yeah it was apricot and because there's apricot trees in the property yeah yeah that's right which eventually will come back later as they i'll call uh, it the apricot fucking paradox <laughs> yeah right um it, look i i love hearing smart people on film talk about smart things that i don't that i can't describe very well and when it's done convincingly these are characters who are intellectuals who 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 are academics when they do it convincingly i'm like there and and what's funny what's what's interesting about it again in the minutiae of this film is that it is that that description of apricot is an act of sensuality and the film views it as an act of sensuality because it's, we're viewing it from Elio's point of view and it is the way in which Oliver rebukes his father and then comes back with more information. And everyone glances around the room afterwards when they say, oh, you know, like he's, he kind of knows what he's talking about. But you know, that was a test, right? That it was, it was a test, but it is, it's an interesting test that works, right? Yeah. yeah but so, I'm saying, I'm saying it was an interesting rebuke of the father, but the father sort of planted it. Yeah. And, and then this all kind of funnels back to that absolutely devastating, um, monologue at the end of the film that Michael Stuhlberg has. It, it's, it's, it's sort of like, it's a weird thing. Most films kind of operate on this sort of central axis, which happens at the beginning of the film, what you would classically call in a, in a screenplay, the inciting incident. This film hinges upon the concluding incident, which is, which is the revelation that, you know, that Mike, that, that Elio has about his Michael Stuhlberg's response to this whole turn of events. And and it's, it's this reversal, but, but again, it worked for me and it had, it, it had me in tears. It had me thinking about fatherhood and it had me thinking about, you know, this, this sense of, of, you know, I thought a lot about my son during, while I was watching this movie. And I thought a lot about my son while I was, while I was watching that scene. And it was like this, this scene feels like this incredible, just this, it's an incredible rebuke of what we thought was true of the rest of this film. And it's entirely 
refutes what we think is true. And, and yet at the same time, it's tender and it's loving and it opens up the film in a way that I hadn't thought possible. And it leads into this final act that, that this final shot that is just beautiful and devastating. I think this problem as an addition to the um, popularization of queer cinema that trades in heterosexuality as the norm. Like we've got two heterosexual actors playing homosexual characters or, you know, bisexual characters in this film is problematic. And I think it's something that, 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 you know, like it trade, it's something that, that, that we have to address. Well, that's in- a problematic thing systematically, not yeah. necessarily in this film, just in film, film in general. The film where the film operates beautifully, as you can guess, I absolutely adored this film. It, it, it left a, a deep imprint on me. And I, and it was a, it was a week in which I saw, uh, this film, three billboards and, uh, the last Jedi. And this you've mentioned on all now, all three podcasts. Yeah. And this was the (laughs) film that, that stayed with me, that made an imprint that, that made me want to talk about it. Um, so, so, you know, it was just, uh, an absolutely wonderful, um, moment uh, a wonderful moment to see on film this year so i you know i i uh so the end of my thing did i did i love it or i hated it i think i loved it mm-hmm. uh but i also it's not without its own its own problems like the the journey of watching this film is more interesting to me than the film itself okay um i've never mm-hmm. watched a thing where i'm like i love it i hate it i love it i hate it i love it fuck this oh my god this is great Okay. Like that does not happen. Not in any movie. I've never, have you ever had that? Cause it's a, it was a very foreign feeling thing to me. Okay. I, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. It's normally like it, it eats away at you. you know three, your three, three billboards was a film where I was like, like, I that love to, it. And I'm, I'm not on board with this. I guess I'm never like, I hate it. I love it. I, I Cause I like, was like, I was watching it and like the beginning, I didn't like the style. And then that scene with the apricot thing, I was like, that's really clever. Okay. And then I noticed this other thing and then it's like, okay, this is pretty. And then like, I, I don't know. I just kept going up, down, up, down, up, down to the point where, uh, I, there's there's some interesting and I know it's I know it's commentary like when Ilio eventually uh, has sex with a young woman mm-hmm. um and uh as his sort of first sexual experience is it I don't or know if, does it, it happen before or after it happens before he has sex with uh, with Oliver so it is because he talks about even to Oliver and, and his dad at the dinner table like I almost had sex last night like right. I think that's equating to the fact that he hadn't before anyway it doesn't I'm, matter. Not, I'm not I'm not entirely sure if it was but, or wasn't but, um, sexual experience but uh but that's sort of like this movie does a great job most of the time, not sort of um, trying to show the true romance of a moment as opposed to sort of fetishizing a moment. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes I feel like it fell a little bit. I fell a little bit into sort of not exploitive, but just sort of like, look how fucking sexy this is. Like it, uh, it, in both in the male, female one and then the male, male one, like, but not every scene. And, 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 and it was weird how like some of them, I was like, this is amazing. This is like, this is showing love on the screen. Like I'm really digging. Like, this is great. And then other ones, and I'll go back to the apricot fucking paradox. Uh, so spoilers, <laughs> there's a scene where a character kind of fucks an apricot yeah uh and not in the comedical way you've seen in other uh films of people fucking inanimate objects uh and that whole interaction this is this is it so so uh that happens he gets walked in on by uh elio's fucking the apricot uh, oliver walks in on him and then he's embarrassed and then like the, the Oliver's trying to make it into like a sexy thing. And it would just felt so fucking weird to me. I was just like, no, I was like movie. Fuck you. What? Why? Ben, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. And then, and I think this sort of, it'll even tie back into the speech at the end mm. because love and, and the way we experience these things, sexual or emotional is never a clean thing. So this moment happened that I was just kind of like, Oh, why are you showing me this shit? <laughs> and then when finally Elio is like super embarrassed and kind of breaks down because he doesn't know what he's feeling and thinking the, the acting on both their parts, but specifically army hammer at that moment when he goes from like trying to be like sly and sexy and kind of like dirty, dirty, sexy into like, Oh my God, this person I really care about is actually like really hurting. You see that swap on his face. Mm -hmm. And I realized like much of the movie, the reason it's showing me these things that I don't, 
particularly like or I don't think are done well mm. is it's showing and trying to evoke the feeling of the dirty parts of love that you don't really like and don't feel that great. Right. And it does that. And the moment he switches over to, from this like weirdly like like sec like trying to be sexy nonsense thing into like, fuck, this is a human that I absolutely love and now is hurting because maybe something I did. Right. And it's it's one of the most beautiful turns I think I've seen. Uh, it, it will definitely in a fruit fucking scene, but, the, but in any, in all, in all honesty, like like American in, pie in a, yeah. Uh, in all honesty, uh, very much so um, in any film that I've seen. And then to have the one, two punch of sort of that moment into then I, then it kind of lost me a little bit, but I gave it more bearing uh, when they like went away for the weekend. I liked, I liked that the parents were like cool with it. And then uh, when they came back, uh, and, and there's the, uh, and he has the conversation with his father once he returns from the vacation after Oliver leaves. Yeah. Um, that scene is, is it, it made the roller coaster ride of uncomfortable to loving it to uncomfortable to loving it, like all make sense and be worthwhile. And it was by far the most engaging and interesting film going experience I've had in a long time. Now, does that equate to enjoyable for me? Yeah. I don't know. I, and I, it's funny. This is one of those things where I watched it and I was like, I really, at the end of this, when I was walking out, I had a big smile on my face and I really enjoyed the, I really enjoyed the ride. I, I want other people to see it. I don't think I'll see it again. Right. Because I think I, I think it delivered the emotional punches that it was trying to do or, or punches slash caresses. However, you all, all of the above, it delivered those to me. Right. And I, and, and this is no, in no way, I don't want anyone to take this away as a slight to this movie. You should see this movie. Yeah. Um, but I can't say this will not go down as like one of my favorite films I've seen. It will go down as one of the most interesting viewing experiences I've ever had either emotionally or critically with the film. And for that, I have to give it praise. Okay. Um, There's an interesting thing in the, in the way you're describing um, what you're talking about. One is that it is, it sounded like the film challenged you. Uh, it challenged me in a sense of, um, of, of, style and uh what's the word i'm looking for it, uh sort of the the technical ways it said before and also the magic tricks being shown in my face again and again and again and again i was like that really bugged me mm-hmm. um that, the that, love story i feel like really worked mm-hmm. um it was it was natural feeling and the the ways of sort of first love that sort of requited and then unrequited and then like you know that whole thing felt very real to me yeah um but there, there's moments I think where the movie's trying to be like, and again, this is this is a harsher sounding thing that I think they're actually trying to do. The moments where the love story's happening, I'm enthralled. Mm-hmm. The moments where it gets a little bit gratuitous or a little bit like, look at this thing that's like this thing we're showing you. What, like, what what are some moments where the thing where the thing is? Showing I mean, again, the apricot scene. If you take it out of context, the scene where they're talking about the statues, the scene where the mother and father and Elio are reading the poem that's exactly about what's going on. Uh, the the um, there was one other big one, and I'm blanking on it right now. Um, there was just a bunch of sort of like that where I felt it just like, I'm like, I get it. Like the things your characters are referencing are exactly what's going on with the character. Oh, and the fly, the fly plays into that as well. So I don't particularly like it when things beat you over the head or get like a little, like, like a little bit gratuitous. Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you're doing so much other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like this, like the, the beauty of sort of the Elio's first love and Oliver and this sort of like, they're not supposed to do this thing, but then they, they do it. And then it's like, it's oddly okay. And like, I, 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 like as far as from the family's perspective, yeah. um, and uh, there's even a beautiful moment. They're talking on the phone at the end where he's like, uh, you know, your father spoke to me like I was family. He's like, that's the best thing you could hope for. Like my father would send me to a correctional facility. Yeah. Um, it's, so it, it challenged me from a, this is what it is. I, I, I hate using art film as the, as the negative word, but I don't know what else to call these tropes of, 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 I'll just call it magic tricking. Cause I don't want to insult art. Art film's great. Uh, and this film's great. But yeah. the second that like it's doing amazing shit, but then it's like, 
and check out this, this shit that works on a narrative on a meta narrative level. And you're like, woo. And I'm like, cool. But can we get back? And then we get back to him like, sweet. And then it's like, here's that fucking fly again. I'm like, okay. Anyway, I'm I'm nitpicking right now, and I'm I'm sorry. Well, well no, it's it's this. There's an interesting thing, which is that the way you're describing these things is with a sense of hostility. Uh, and I don't want I don't want to mischaracterize what you're saying, but you're saying like you're annoyed when the film does this, and and you're angry. It, it, it I mean. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's what it sounds like. You're yeah, saying. yeah, yeah. Because I don't like I don't like films that do smart things and then be, and then do things that are like look how smart we're look how smart we're being. Do you okay. see how smart we're being right now? Do you think um, the film because because the one thing to me is that the film is slight on almost every level. It, it it underplays almost every scene, and you know the fly the the, the fly thing for me is like. Again, it's something I barely noticed and I would, to me, I kind of chalked it up and maybe this is uh, imprecise viewing on my part, but I chalked it up to being there are flies in this world and flies are flies and, you know, like, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, I guess the thing for me is that, is that this comes down to the, to, to what, you know, we were talking to about, to Mesa who, who wrote in on Twitter and who, who kind of had a response to this film is that, and again, for me as well as also the cumulative effect of this film is, is does the cumulative effect of this film move you? Uh, yes, but it would have been an easier, it would have been a more enjoyable time doing so, which might not have been the point mm-hmm. of the movie. If it didn't consistent, like the, the moments where this movie sang to me was in the slightness, right. but then it broke its slightness two or three major times for me. And I was like, okay, I get it. Right. I get it. Go back to what you're doing. Great. Stop talking about what it is great that you're doing. And that that's what, that's what got me. That's what kept pulling me out because, and again, I, I know I make fart jokes about this sort of thing. That to me is the smelling of your own farts. This movie is so good. It is so good. What is an art house movie? I mean, the joke of it is sort of like the things that don't have a very sort of narrative story. That's why I don't want to use art. No, no, film what, as what, thing. What, what, I mean, you're, uh, okay, but you've used that term here. And I, but what, I've, I've recounted it every time. I don't think that's correct. Okay. What, what is, I mean, because, because clearly pretension, I, uh, I guess pretension is what I'm, I'm right. And I don't think this movie is pretentious. Yeah, I think what, it what makes pretentious. To you? I think it makes pretentious moves. Pretension is when you do something really smart, and you're super sort of proud, like, and sort of pump, not pompous, uh, peacockingness about like how the smart thing that you did, like, hey, see how clever I was, right? Like, but but does the does the does the acts of pretension in this film betray the narrative reach of what they're trying to do? Like, it, what I'm saying here is, does the it pretentious anno- it annoys thing, me, right? And it knocks me out of right. it now. I, I, the way that the emotional roller coaster of this film sort of went, I think. Um, it might actually, my annoyance of that mm-hmm. might serve even the way this sort of movie is supposed to have its ups and downs even more. Right. But that doesn't take away from the fact that I had negative feelings towards this movie because I thought it was being pretentious from time to time. Right. I love the, but the other thing is, and especially, and, and you know me, I get more mad at things that have like a perfect 90% of a film and then the ending bombs in my opinion right because i'm like you're right you're right there Mm -hmm. you just literally ran up to sports analogy to the goal line of the post and then you drop the ball or whatever like this movie and this movie doesn't do that Mm -hmm. but this movie kept it was like climbing its peak to greatness and then stumble 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 for me and then okay no we're back we got Mm -hmm. some footing and i and it just i just wish it would stay with the i wish it would would stay would have no more faith isn't the word i'm looking for i just wish it would not have to constantly call out a meta narrative about what's going on with the characters through things the characters are reading or 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 doing in their day jobs do you think that is true to what these characters would do like these are yes but it's too convenient it's too so this these characters who live in this uh 1983 villa in northern italy that have no problems whatsoever and the son is going to lie on the parent's lap uh the 17 year old son's gonna lie in the parent's lap and read uh, a poem that happens to be at a part in this book that the mother's reading that happens to exactly encompass exactly what's going on exactly in this time period of this young boy's life that's convenient and it's trite and i get what you're trying what not what it's trying to do Mm. but that to me that level of like that's the kind of shit that strips what was the poem about it was about the, it was about um whether or not a knight should say that how he feels about uh uh, uh, uh 
it was a princess or something or whatever. Just it's the same sort of should Elio say how he feels about Oliver, and they have a conversation about that later in the in the thing uh, before as their as their sort of relationship is budding. Um, it's it's those moments that are that are. I think you you get mad at them more in plot uh, in plot conveniences mm-hmm. where this doesn't officially affect plot. But this is still a narrative convenience that the right. This is where I see the writing mm-hmm. is when the writer writes in writings that are exactly what's happening with the characters. And it's kind of the same problem. I think it all comes back to I have problems about stories written about writers. Right. Because it's just this weird sort of uh, masturbatory exercise that in this film, I feel like is completely unneeded. There's so much good. Right. Like, I, I really love parts about this movie. Mm-hmm. And it challenged me when I, that's when I kept seeing like, that's like the man behind the curtain peeking and being like, you like in the movie? Okay, cool. Like right. that to me. And uh, I think it could have done without those. I think it, I think, um, I think it could have been stronger and, and it might be, a, uh, but, but at the same time, I w- if those were gone, Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have this crazy, interesting film going experience that I had. And I enjoyed overall, especially again, right at the turn of the uh, apricot fucking paradox and the speech from the father. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Like it tied. Every, it was like, it was like, yes, yeah. like it was so good. Uh, so, so if you're looking at a lump sum of whether or not I enjoyed this movie, I a hundred percent enjoyed this movie. Right. I just have it, but, but, and, and I'm passionate about liking this movie, but because I'm passionate about liking it, I'm also going to be passionate about the one or two things. I'm like, okay guys. Right. Or, I guess, I guess the thing that I'm sort of curious about here is that the, that the way you're describing those things has a level of hostility about them. Yeah. I just told you why. Yeah. But, but there's a level of hostility about them that I guess I wouldn't see in say a narrative contrivance in another movie and and but like I, it's the same, this is the same level of of hostility that you're using and I uh, I'm I trying mean, to follow you down this rabbit hole that I used for spotlight right uh, it's the same level of hostility that I've used in 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 times when I feel like a movie is quote liking the smell of its own farts right. I get angry at these things right because and and I feel like the the closer a film gets to greatness in my opinion and when they do these things. That's when I get even more mad because it's like, you know better, like, right. you know better than to do this. Right. So that's I mean, I, I would say, uh, yeah, I honestly, Spotlight would probably be the, the same level of hostility a bit. That, but though, though, I don't think Spotlight this is this is the difference. I don't think Spotlight's good. Yeah. I think this movie's I think call, uh, call me by your name is great. Right. Um, anyway, that's me. I, that's kind of my final thoughts, I guess. Yeah. Um, Shahir, I know this was a, a real big, I mean, you really wanted to talk about this movie. If you had well, to, actually, sum to it be up honest for you. with you, I was kind of 50, 50. on wanting to talk about it because I was kind of like, well, I don't know. You know, I didn't want to subject you to this movie because I didn't know if you would enjoy it or not. Um, I, well, why, why is that? Uh, because I don't know if this is the kind of film that you would seek out on your own. Right. Going into it, I had no, I didn't watch a trailer. Right. And, 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 you know, I, I mean, um, but when has that stopped you before? (laughs) I mean, we, we, I guess the thing for me is, you know, like if we come back to our conversations about Star Wars and what have you, and and just listening to this, this reader, uh, Mesa talk about this. And I think it's great that they had that response to it. I think it's wonderful. Is that, is that this is a movie that deeply affected me. It is a movie that deeply uh, moved me and deeply changed my view of 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 what I thought was going to happen in this film, and 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 I was taken aback by that. And I and and I you know like for me those are the experiences I look for in movies. And you those, didn't want me to ruin them for no no I I <laughs> I what I didn't want what I I guess I'm curious about is yeah I look I'll say it is the hostility to which you. Approach which you are describing some of those things. Whereas, you know, like to me, again, it's that thinking about the cumulative effect of this film is that, is that I am deeply moved by the cumulative effect of this film. As am I. Yes. But, but, and, and, and if you have those opinions, that is, that is, they're totally valid. I, you know, my thing has always been, if you see a scene that, that doesn't work for you, talk about that scene and, and you've done that. And, and, and that is what you should do. I, I guess I'm curious by, again, that 
hostility I'm to this film. I'm really curious because so the you keep bringing up the hostility that I have again. I'm hostile to a lot of films. You are. Uh and this has never come up before. No, the, no, it has it has well, come up. Not before. not like this. And you're the, very hostile towards Spotlight for example. Yeah, yeah. Um the the interesting thing honestly is is to me is so I'm let's say I'm being hostile towards the parts of this film. I'll say the the 10%, 7% of this film that I I could have done without. Yeah. Um, that's me at least sort of being passionate about the fact I disliked a thing. Right. Where what, what I find incredibly sort of, uh, insulting from time to time from you about star Wars, about other things, et cetera, is just the hand wave of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, where you, you have no, I would rather you fucking hate star Wars. Right. Like I'd rather you had like and all these reasons to back it up and like just a ton of like like vitriol for it right. because at least I would know that you were thinking about it or that you were passionate about it right um and so I and and to me if I if I have to choose between if I is and this goes back to even me right? right if I had to choose what I'd rather if I had to choose someone that fucking hated me mm. or that never thought about me I would rather they hate me right and. So uh, it's weird that the, the, my hostility is a little bit sort of offensive to you for again, it's for not this- offensive to me, by the way, I'm just, I'm, that's the thing I'm, I'm curious about your response to the film. No, I think I've, I, I honestly think I've, I've, I've laid out. And of course you can go back to the back catalog about, you know, these things where I do get angry at sort of when a film g- goes to what I would consider greatness and stumbles here and there sometimes at the end, this one, no, 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 this one's ending is pristine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, it's just, I, I think I've sort of explained as to why that is there. Um, but again, I don't think, I don't think any, uh, hostilities in my case here, uh, are, are, uh, a, a note to ever not go see this. Like you should a hundred percent go see this. It was again, the most, one of the, the most interesting times I've had at the theater. Right. And I left with a smile on my face. Like it was, it was really, it was really, uh, an experience to have. And, uh, it made me, it made me think about, um, it, it, it has a way of like building you up through your own life and like, um, having that, that it, it makes you relive all the shit and wonderment sort of of your first love. And right. that's something that's beautiful. Right. The, the only problems that I have are what I said before. It, 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 it shows its hand uh, once or twice a little too many times and it, in it, it, it wants to, it's like peeking at you, making sure you're getting it when of course you're getting it. Cause it's made so well. Right. Anyway. <laughs> This uh, uh, one thing I just uh, going into my final thoughts here is that this uh, this film has an embarrassment of riches when it comes to uh, the soundtrack. We have listened to the soundtrack at my house on repeat for the last three weeks since I saw this movie. Uh, and and uh, Suf- I'm going to pronounce his name horribly, but Susan Stevens's Mystery of Love is basically the only reason I'll watch the Oscars. I, I don't typically <laughs> watch the Oscars now, but I would love to see him perform this song live. I also uh, will, um, this the score features uh, Ryuchi Sakamoto, which is a composer that uh, my old college room, uh, he wasn't my roommate, but a guy in my dorm, uh, Eric Gage, who I think does listen to this podcast from occasion, introduced me to when I was uh, making films at a younger age. And and he forced me to think about uh, film scores and film soundtracks in a way that I hadn't conceived before. He made me rewrite. Um, uh, uh, I just scored a movie to like a Portishead track yep. and he was like, no, this is garbage. You need to actually like think about the score the way you would think about the images. So, and, and then Ryuchi Sakamoto was like a big part of that. Listening to Ryuchi Sakamoto, who does this wonderful score for Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Um, I, again, uh, the totality of this film, the cumulative effect of this film is quietly devastating. Um, and it made me think about, about again the triumph and failure of love and and it was it was interesting because this is a film about first love and and the way in which first love you know like when we think about it when we're when we're older is so seemingly insignificant but what this film did for me was bring me back to that moment where first love is the earth shifting on its axis and and the final moments of uh uh elio staring into a fireplace um Nuts. quietly reliving the 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 love and the failure of love in this case um is is 
all the devastation I need. And, and, you know, and again, it's just, uh, it's just a wonderful moment of uh, cinematic poetry for me. Um, Very smart to use that sort of as a, as a credits too. Yeah. As a credit. So it reminded me of, um, what was that film with uh, George Clooney uh, with, uh, his the, then Michael Clayton Batman and Robin yeah it was Batman um, and Robin, Michael Clayton yeah so I I adored this film I I I'm I enjoy that you have a response to this movie you're right um Star Wars doesn't evoke a response to me it is a hand wave for me because because Star Wars does nothing for me emotionally right it and I nothing. and I find that I find that I mean again just on a personal level yeah. or what, what what if I would if I was the film I would find that more offensive right uh, anyway. <laughs> This has been the only podcast about the film. Call me by your name. And I don't, I hope that's not true. <laughs> yeah. You can call me by your name anytime. Uh, where, where, where can folks find you when you're calling your own name? Uh, you can call me by my name at my website, www.shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Uh, Matt, where can you call me by your name? You can call me by my name, by me, my, not, me, myself, and I yeah. at uh, Matthew Kroll, M A T T A G W K R O L dot com for my life and work. So convenient that both of our names are our actual websites. Yeah, you also, <laughs> you can find me at Skeletor the number four P R E Z on Instagram or Emperor M S K on Twitter. Also, Friendship Watch is still in effect on Twitch uh, with James Portnow and the Extra Credits crew. That's 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch. Go check out Extra Credits at Twitch. And uh, yeah, that is it for now. See you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye.